The following message is from Christian Life Austin. For more information about Christian Life, please visit clcaustin.com. Thank you for listening. Well, uh, as you can see, I am not Pastor Rex. And uh, he, if he could be anywhere on the planet right now, you know where he'd be. He'd be right here. And then he'd transport back to vacation as soon as we dismiss service. But he wants to be here with you, and uh, he will be here Sunday, so you'll get your weekly warm hug on Sunday. So you'll be sure that you're here to see him on Sunday. But I'm thankful he can get away. He took a, a little vacation in August, but that was with his kids and grandkids. So he hasn't really taken a vacation in a long, long time. And uh, you know what that's like. If you've gone with kids and grandkids, there's no rest or relaxation on that trip. So uh, we're thankful that he and our first lady could get away. And uh, again, he'll be back later this week. But uh, I'm just excited. Tonight, uh, it's, it's November. Can you believe we're in November already? I don't know what you're clapping for. That's a just November. Yes. I, that's, I don't know. That's funny to me. We're in November, and I just I think I need to start out with a little public service announcement. And this is on behalf of all the husbands. I got your back, guys. And, and I just need to tell the wife something. This is directed to the ladies, okay? Uh, I love you, ladies, okay? I love you. I'm talking to my wife over here, too. I love you. But we got to stop it with this Christmas decorations before Thanksgiving. we got to stop it. Stop it with the Christmas, okay? I don't know, like, that's, it's in the Bible. It's, there's, it's in second hesitations, or some, it's in here somewhere. Something about, thou shalt not put up Christmas decor until after Thanksgiving, thus saith the Lord. I'll find it. It's in here somewhere. I, I just, I love Christmas. It's, I, we got to stop it with the Christmas, though. I mean, we got Christmas, it's like Halloween. Okay, Christmas. We got to get the Christmas up, put the tree up. I'm like, I can't even get into that season until I get past the Thanksgiving season. I have to give thanks before I'm ready to, uh, to usher in the Savior of the world. And so for the next couple of Wednesdays, we're going to be talking about this series of giving thanks. And uh, we titled this 10,000 Reasons. And I want to show you a word, uh, start off with a word that's it's a really ugly word. Nobody wants to be this word. Uh, in fact, some of you might be this word, but you don't know that you're this word because it's a difficult word to see in the mirror. When you're looking in the mirror, you don't see this word. It might be there, but you just can't see it. It's a really ugly word, and this is the word. Ungrateful. Ooh. <laughs> because here's the thing. You know it when you're angry. You know that. You know it when you're afraid. You know it when you're nervous, and you might even admit when, when you're feeling insecure, but ungrateful, ungrateful is a whole different ball game. That, like, that's hard to see reflecting back into the mirror. In fact, if anyone has ever told you you're ungrateful, you almost get defensive. I'm ungra- I am not ungrateful. Right? You just shoot back at them immediately. You're just angry about them. And I am not. Un- I'm very grateful. I'm so. And I think part of the reason we do that is because they're saying that we're not feeling something. That we should be feeling something, and because we're not feeling something, then I get defensive. I, I, am, I am totally grateful. And then I start thinking about all my grateful thoughts and all my grateful feelings, and then I become more grateful than I ever was grateful for the thing they thought I was ungrateful for. So I'm just, I'm just it's a big thing, right? It's, I, I'm grateful. I'm grateful. And here's the scary thing. is you can spend the rest of your life in your key relationships being ungrateful and not even realize that you're doing it. Because again, ungratefulness is very difficult to see staring back at you in the mirror. 
Now, some of you are excited that we're talking about this. Some of you are like, you're kicking your heels together. You're not doing it because you don't want your spouse to see. But you're like, I'm so glad that we're talking about this because he needs to hear this. Or I I wish my kids were here too. You know, you're thinking about it. You know, it's easy to see it in somebody else. It's incredibly difficult to see ungrateful in ourselves. And there are a couple of reasons that, that this is important. Number one, gratitude generates generosity. It just does. Gratitude generates generosity. You, you know this. When you are generous to somebody and they're grateful to you, what do you want to do? Be more grateful. You're like, I just want to do more things for you. I just want to be more generous. I want to, you're grateful. I want to be generous. I want to, what else can I do for you, right? And if they're not grateful, you kind of want to shut down the generosity, do you know? I do. I'm just like, well, I'm not serving you anymore. Like, you know, <laughs> I have the privilege, uh, and you know this, if you, if you serve in a charity or a nonprofit or if you worked with the homeless, I have the privilege of getting to be the first line for our financial assistance request here at Christian Life. And uh, we help hundreds and hundreds of people every year. We give away tens of thousands of dollars, and we don't just give them a check, but we really try to help them. We want to give them financial consultations and help them look at their budgets and where did we mess up and how did we fall short and let's make sure this doesn't happen again. We really want to help people. And so I get those, those requests, and, and because we get so many, especially this time of year, there are people that unfortunately, because of our budget, we're just restrained, and I, 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 I can't help you. And this has happened multiple times where I'll tell somebody, I'm so sorry, our committee met, and we, we just aren't able to help you at this time. And somebody, people have said to me, oh, that's okay. Hey, thank you so much for considering me. I just appreciate that you guys took the time to consider my application. And that just makes me go... I just, I love you. I want to give you, you want, here, take my truck. Like, I just want to give them everything I have because I didn't even give them anything. And they're like so grateful that we would even consider the request. And then the opposite is true too. We'll help somebody and they just take the check and walk out the door. And I'm like, I don't want to help you ever again. Like, and that sounds awful, but that's just true, right? Gratitude generates generosity. You've done this. I've done this. Maybe I'm on an island by myself, but when I leave the house, I'm actually pretty nice. Like 99% of me, I'm pretty nice when I leave the house. And somebody, oh, they got their blinker on. Like, come on in, come on in. And I'll let the next guy in. This is all I asked for. I don't think it's a lot. This is all I want. You know what I'm asking for. And if I get that, man, I will let 17 semi-truck trailers get. Come on, but get in there. Go on. Yeah, just give me that way. But the first person that doesn't wave... So, there's something inside of me. I'm like, oh, you're so ungrateful. You've got a Ford Focus. i got a Ford F-150. I'm going to pile you into that wall, buddy. I'm just like, I know. I need Jesus. Y'all got to pray for me. <laughs> I do. I'm like, you ungrateful. I'm so mad. Just give me the wave. Just all five fingers. I don't want the one. Give me all five. <laughs> Gratitude generates generosity. Here's the second thing. Ingratitude, ingratitude doesn't only shut down generosity, it also could shut down a relationship. And this is true for some of you. Some of you have relationships that were in your past, and it was once categorized as warm and full of love and full of life, but slowly over time, you've distanced yourself from them, haven't you? Because you started to see a signal of ingratitude in their lives towards you. And suddenly, I don't want to be generous with my time. I don't want to be generous with my energy. I don't want to be generous with my finances. I don't want to be generous with my emotions towards you because you just keep taking advantage of me. Right? So ingratitude can shut down a relationship. And the worst part about it, 
is we might not even know that it's going on because ingratitude is really difficult to see in the mirror. I firmly believe that if you're here tonight and you have a relational struggle with a spouse, a relational struggle with your kids, a relational struggle with your parents, with the boss, I'm not saying it's the root cause. I'm just saying it's likely that at the heart of that, there's some ingratitude. If there was just some gratefulness that would be exchanged between the two of you, your relationship would immediately improve. I want to look at an amazing story tonight that doesn't get preached often. Um, It isn't found in Matthew. It isn't found in Mark. It isn't found in John. It's only found in Luke's gospel. It's Luke chapter 17. If you have your Bible, turn to Luke 17. If you don't, that's okay. We'll have it on the screen for you. Luke 17, beginning in verse 11. So Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. And Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, go, show yourselves to the priests. Okay, so let's just recap. So Jesus is traveling, and he comes across these ten men who all had leprosy. Now, thankfully, in 2017, we don't have an issue of leprosy. It's, It's pretty much been eradicated from our world, especially in Western civilization. There is some leper colonies on the planet, but it's pretty much non-existent for us. But leprosy was a really, really bad thing. 2,000 years ago, it was a highly communicable variety of skin diseases, and when you got it, when you contracted it, your life was pretty much over. You might not die immediately, but your life as you knew it is over. You would lose your career. You would lose your place of business. You would lose your family. You would lose your friends. You would lose your place of worship. You might even lose your skin. Over time, you would lose potentially limbs. You would lose the ends of your fingers, the ends of your toes, the end of your nose. It was awful. And you you would be uh, excommunicated from society. And it was just a bad, it was a bad thing. And it was so highly communicable that, that they said, you can't, you can't come anywhere near us. In fact, if you ever leave this colony that we're going to uh, quarantine you to, if you ever leave and you're walking close to other people who do not have this condition, you have to shout, unclean, unclean, as you're walking so everybody knows to stay far away from you. Can you imagine if you contracted leprosy today, if, somebody, if, the, if the doctor said, I'm sorry, sir, I'm sorry, ma'am, you have leprosy. I can't even hug my wife goodbye. I can't even give my kids a warm embrace. I can't do any. I can't settle up some business affairs. It's over. Like everything in my life as I knew it is over. And now I'm isolated in this colony with other people who have this disease. And I'm just basically playing the waiting game in life, waiting for death. So here are these ten men. And they see Jesus. They don't have a a lot to... uh, they don't have a lot to lose. So they see Jesus, and they ask him, show pity on us. And Jesus says, go show yourselves to the priest. Now, there's, there's two reasons why that's important, why he said that. He says, go show yourselves to the priest. According to the Old Testament law, if a leper thought that their leprosy had been cured, and every once in a while that, that would happen. There was not a cure. There was no medicine they could take. But every once in a while, supernaturally, someone would be healed from leprosy. And so if they had leprosy and then somehow they thought, hey, I think I'm okay, they would have to show themselves to the priest and the priest would check them out and then would reintegrate them into society if he felt like, yes, you are healed of this disease. Okay. So what's interesting is he says, go show yourselves to the priest, but they don't really have anything to show the priests. He hasn't healed them yet. 
says, go show yourselves to the priest, which is really interesting because he's asking them to do what he asks you and I to do so often, which is walk by faith. I want you just to walk, guys. If you, you just called me master, if you truly think I'm master, if you truly think I'm God, I want you to just go show yourselves to the priest. So they just started going to the priests, and as they're going, Scripture says they just start getting clean. And one, then another, and then another, and then another. And, and walking by faith is simply trusting God's promise to be true. If God says it's true, then I'm just going to trust that he's telling the truth. The second thing that's important with this statement is he knew these lepers, would, when they got to the priest, the priest would have to ask them, what? How did this happen? How did this happen? Because if one shows up and he's cured, well, that happened occasionally. It's pretty rare, but it would be two strong coincidence, but 10 show up and they're all healed. He'd go, what happened? How did this happen? Well, we, we didn't met this Jesus guy. You, you heard of Jesus? Yeah. And we just said, show pity on us, master. And then he says, go show yourselves to the priest. And we started walking and we started getting healing. Praise to God. And so he, just, he knows that God's going to get glory from this situation. Let's keep going. Luke 17, 14. When he saw them, he said, go just show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. The scripture says as they were cleansed, uh, as they went they were cleansed, and, and they're going to the priest. What do they have to lose? So they're on their way, and their rot begins to renew. And new skin starts to form on one, and then on another, and then on another, and then on another. And despair turns to joy. And all they had lost was becoming restored. And, and they're thinking, man, I, I'm going to get everything back. I'm going to get my career back. I'm going to get my kids back. I'm going to get my wife back. I'm going to get my family, my friend, everything. Everything, my faith, everything's coming back to me. And they probably started running, I would imagine, towards the priests. They, they, they couldn't provide for their families any longer. But now they could shake a hand in a business agreement. Everything is coming back to fruition. All they have to do is show themselves to the priest. And once he sees them, he's going to say, you're good. Go back and be reunited with their family. You're discharged from confinement. But one of the two, before he gets to the priest, before he goes back to his bride, he goes, wait a minute. i got to go back. And he gives praise to God. He gives praise to God. Let's keep going. Verse 16, he threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan, which was interesting. I, I don't know why they point that out. The, the, the writer, Luke, write, writes that he was a Samaritan. Samaritans were kind of the lower class of this society. In fact, when Jews would be traveling from Galilee to Judea, when they'd be, they would go around Samaria. They didn't want to have any encounters with Samaritans. And so he says, this man was the least likely of candidates to come back, but he comes back and he thanks me. And Jesus asked, we're not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? And here's the tension that we all live in, in our relationships as it relates to gratitude. Jesus points out there's something wrong with this picture. Weren't ten of you cleansed? Where are the other nine? Verse 18. Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? And then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. Yeah. Now if you're hearing this story for the very first time, and some of you that might be the case, you're probably there's an emotional response where you just go, how could they? 
Like, they all got healing. Why did, I mean, those nine people are just so ungrateful. They're just so ungrateful. I just can't believe that they would just run away and go back to their families and their lives and not come back and at least appreciate what Christ has done. You you want to get emotional about it. But the interesting thing about the story is we wouldn't think about this of them had the one not come back. If all ten of them went back home, And not one of them returned. We wouldn't even think of this as a story of ingratitude. How many people did Jesus heal? Unstop a a deaf ear. Heal a blind eye. Raise someone from the dead. Make the lane to walk. Whatever. He did so many miracles. And yet very few we see in scripture come back and actually thank him. And praise him for doing so. And that's what we do too. We take our blessing. And we just move forward. We take our blessing And we run. Here's the other interesting thing about this story. And I'm just kind of making this part up. But I thought if we were to catch up with the nine. If we were to rush. Hey, 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 guys, 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 guys. Hey, are you grateful for what Jesus has done for you? My guess is that every single one of them would say, oh, yes. Oh, my goodness. Yes, yes. We are so grateful we're so my life is restored my family my faith my future everything's back I'm so thankful thank you Jesus I just want to praise him I think if we caught up with the nine I think they would be grateful but meanwhile Jesus is back there going well weren't there weren't there 10 where are the other nine and here's why this is so powerful you can't miss this They have no earthly idea. It didn't even cross their minds that maybe I should return and give praise and thanks to Jesus. There's an unfinished loop. There's an unfinished cycle. There's something that we can't put a bow on this ending yet. There's something left undone. And they don't even have a clue. And they have the same problem that we have. They felt gratitude, but they didn't express it. They felt it. They just didn't express it. And here's the principle you got to catch out of this. is Unexpressed gratitude communicates ingratitude. Like, I think we're grateful. We're grateful for all the things that God has done and the people that are close to us in our lives have done. But yet when we don't express that gratitude, it communicates ingratitude. You pin me in a corner, oh yeah, I'm grateful, I'm grateful. But if I don't communicate that gratefulness... It actually communicates the opposite. It communicates ingratitude. I said it a minute ago, but, but gratitude closes the loop. It, it, it kind of puts the bow on the end of things, and I'll prove it to you. It happened last night. So my family, uh, we went out uh, trick-or-treating last night. And I know some of you may be against trick-or-treating, and that's okay. I love you. I don't judge you. Don't judge me. Uh, I love trick-or-treating, and I'm going to tell you why. I ain't whatever, it's the devil's day, whatever. But listen, it is the one day out of the year where I can go to my neighbor's door and knock on their door and I'm greeted with a smile and free candy. And it is the, I believe, I believe it's the greatest evangelical day of the year. I do, I do. It's a chance for me to go see my neighbors. If I go knock on my neighbor's door today, what does he want, right? Like, don't answer the door, just act like we're not here. Act like we're not here, act like we're not here. But yesterday I'm knocking on the door. Hey, how you doing? And so we get to meet our neighbors. We just use, I wish it was Halloween every month. I would just say, how you doing? Just knock on their doors. I have a reason to knock on their door. So we love it. We think it's like evangelism 101. But we're going around. 
And Zach was Link from The Legend of Zelda. Jack was Captain Underpants. And we're, we're making the rounds uh, of our neighborhood, seeing some neighbors we knew, meeting some neighbors we didn't know. And uh, my kids would go up to the door. And this was the first year, Jack, he's my youngest. And uh, <laughs> he, this is the first year he was excited about it. Like he was ready for me to get home. We, we got it. God, Dad, trick or treat. He's just so excited about it. So we, uh, we got them all dressed up in their costumes, and we go to the doors, and we're like, okay, go ring the doorbell. And Jack, did, he just doesn't understand everything, so he would go up and just ding dong, ding dong, ding dong. I'm like, no, no, one, one time, one time. <laughs> he, just, he thought I should ring it until they get to the door. Um, so they'd come to the door, and it's so sweet. Big Brother's kind of, you know, leading him. He's like, trick or treat, trick or treat. And they, they both kind of, you know, do their thing, and, and then they pass out the candy. And Mom and I are kind of back. We're, we're not, like, right beside them. We're kind of back in the driveway, and... You know, just waving at the neighbors. Sorry, they rang the doorbell 750 times. And, and then my wife, almost every time, until the end, they kind of caught on. But my wife, she asked the question. It's four words. You know, you know what it says. You know, you know what that question is. What is it? No, well, that was five words, but you were close. What do you say? What do you say? Or did you say thank you? What do you say? What do you say? Why is she asking that? Because mama, as an outsider, knows that the loop isn't closed yet. Ding dong, trick or treat, they give us candy. We've got to close the loop. We've got to close the circle and say thank you, right? Oh, no, 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 you're not dashing next door. What do you say? Don't you open that Reese's peanut butter cup. What do you say? Right? And of course, of course, the kids, they're sitting there going, Mommy, it's Halloween. That's what they're supposed to do. They're supposed to give me Reese's pieces. No, no, no. What do you say? What do you say? You've got to close it. Why? You and I know intuitively that unexpressed gratitude communicates ingratitude. If we don't express that gratitude, it communicates to that neighbor that we're not thankful for them. And we're not thankful for that. You know, $1.90 they spent on that candy. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Unexpressed gratitude is also a form of rejection. It is. Unexpressed gratitude is a form of rejection. All of you ladies who have ever cooked a meal in your life know this. Okay? Here's what happens. You take off early from work. You go to this grocery store. You fight the monster called the grocery store. And you get everything that you need. And that lady that was really rude to you... And then you're in the line, and oh dear, I've got behind the coupon lady, and she's got the coupons and the coupons. Ah, she's writing a check for $6. Just come on, get the debit card out, lady. You don't have a debit card. She doesn't have a debit card, right? And then you get to the front of the line, they're like, hey, are you a member of of our grocery store? Do you have our card? No, I'm not a member. Well, do you want to be a member? And I just want to pay for these groceries. So you get the groceries, you get back in the car, you load them all up with the car. I didn't bring my bags. Oh, I gotta pay for bags. I gotta pay for the bags. I get back in the car, I get home. I'm, 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 furiously getting this meal together. I'm going to try to coordinate everything so everything comes out at the same time. And that's the hardest part for me in cooking is I can't get everything. This is done and hot, and this one's not even started yet. But, so, you know, get it all together, and we're all ready. And, uh, and she's working for hours and hours and hours. And then, okay, I've got the table set, and everybody's good. And, oh, this is going to be so delicious. And, okay, honey, kids, let's go. <sighs> honey, kids, let's go. 
right? And they don't come in, and then finally, honey, okay, okay, okay. So he comes in, baby, it's, it's game seven of the World Series. Can I watch some? No, I, just, I cooked a meal. I slaved over this meal. I like to eat as a family at the dinner table. Okay, can we put the game on mute? Can I just have it in the back? Oh, fine, that's fine. So puts the game on mute. He's watching the game, you know, keeping an eye on the game. The kids are just, it's a great meal. Scarfing down the food. Five minutes, they're done. They know bedtime's in 30 minutes. So like, I want to get 30 minutes of playtime in. It's like, can I be excused? So, that, yeah, you can be excused. So they rush off, and they're doing their thing. And by this time, Dad's checked out, and he's reading the paper, reading his phone, reading the mail. And, and, uh, and so then they all get done. They put their plates up, and he's in there watching the game. Kids are in there playing. Now i got to clean up this mess. I made the dinner, and i got to pick up after this. I'm cleaning the dishes, and I'm just, I'm just you know, I'm sticking these in the dishes. Sticking a dishwasher, and I'm sure you know, you're just mad about everything, and and then the husband, sir, you say the wrong, you ask the wrong question. You come and you go, honey, are you okay? <laughs> no! You know, as you peel her off of the ceiling, I'm not okay. Now, if she at any point would have stopped and said, hey, guys, are you grateful for mama and this meal that you're eating? Everybody at that table would say, oh, my goodness, yes, this is one of the best meals you've made. This is so delicious. Thank you, mom, for cooking and for buying the grocery we, we appreciate you so much but unexpressed gratitude communicates ingratitude and unexpressed gratitude also is a form of rejection and so she's getting upset she doesn't even know why she's getting upset she's in a bad mood because she's feeling this rejection that you never intended for her to feel but it just started happening because we weren't thankful and grateful and guys, it happens with you too. I know women are providers. Many of you women provide for your family, but let's just use this for my illustration's sake. Is hey dad, can I have twenty bucks? Hey dad, I need I need I need to borrow the car tomorrow. Hey dad, can I have new shoes for school? Hey honey, I need to go shopping. All the girls are going shopping. Can I have some money for go shopping? And it's just like yes, 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 yes. And if you ask anybody in the family, are you grateful that your your father, your husband provides that he works hard, that he's able to buy you guys a car, put gas in the car, and buy you guys new clothes and new shoes. Oh, we're so grateful. But unexpressed gratitude communicates ingratitude, and after a while, dad's going to get frustrated, and it actually can do something in negative in our relationships. He feels rejection. If it isn't expressed, it doesn't exist. Let me say that again. That's the one you need to write down. If it isn't expressed, it doesn't exist. Point in case, Jesus. Weren't there ten? I know they're all grateful, but where are they? Weren't there ten? And what it turns into is, well, you're my wife. I mean, you're supposed to cook. That's what you do. Well, you're my husband, and you're supposed to make money. That's, you're my boss. You're supposed to pay me on the 1st and the 15th. And it almost becomes a sense of entitlement when we could just say, hey, thanks for giving me an opportunity to work, to be employed. There's so many of my friends that don't have a job right now. And thanks for being a boss that pays on time. Hey, honey, I, I, I know that you cook a lot, and I just want to tell you that, that you're really good at it. And I hope you keep it up because I love it. I love you, and I love your cooking. Honey, thank you for working so hard. Thank you for working so hard. We don't have to worry about our bills, because you take care of us. You make sure that all our needs are met. Here's what happens. If over time you continually neglect showing gratitude, you drive those people's hearts out of the relationship. They may still make a meal for you, but their heart's not going to be in it anymore. 
As someone who does most of the counseling here at Christian Life Austin, I see this time and time and time again. And I can't tell you how many times in sessions I've just said, let's just be grateful. Let's just talk about, let's just compliment each other. Why don't you tell her three reasons, you're, you're, she, she, three ways she blesses you. Because that probably doesn't ever get expressed in their home. It's not that they don't think it, but if we don't say it, it doesn't exist. Listen, I, just, I want you to know that I'm, I'm grateful for you. You keep our house together. You keep our kids. They're doing so well, and I credit that to you and your leadership. And thank you for leading us spiritually. Whatever, just being able to communicate it. The call of this passage for all of us in the room is that we be like the one who was willing to go back to those who enabled him to move forward. There are people that have enabled you to move forward, right? Who have helped you educationally, who have helped you financially, who have helped you professionally, who have helped raise you, who have given you opportunities, who provided you with love and support and invested in you. And you would not be who you are today had they not invested in your life. So it's our responsibility to go back and say thanks. Thank you. Thank you for investing in me. Are you willing for the rest of your life and in your key relationships, including your relationship with the Lord, to go back and say thanks? Simply making it a habit of being grateful might be the thing that saves that relationship. Now, I can hear the... the I can hear the guys in the room because I would be thinking the same thing. Well, Reed, I can't say it now because if I tell my wife I'm thankful for her, she's going to say, well, you're just saying that because the pastor told you to say that. <laughs> so I'm going to have to wait a month, and then I'm going to tell her in December, and I'm just going to approach her and go, honey, I, would just, I had this just random thought. I'm just so grateful for you. But i got to let a little time pass. Just trust me, guys, okay? Let me predict your future. If your wife has average emotional intelligence, if you said, honey, I'm so grateful for you tonight. She's not going to say, well, you're just saying that because she's going to say, thanks for noticing. Thanks for saying thanks. Thanks for being grateful. Here's my challenge for you tonight. It's November 1st. We have 30 days in November. And I would love for this season to have an attitude of gratitude. And for us to every day this month, to tell somebody, maybe you tell the same somebody every day. Maybe that there's been so much damage that's been caused and your relationship is uh, on ice that you say, hey, I, I just, I need to tell you every day, I'm so thankful for you. I can't imagine my life without you. Thank you. To every day express that to somebody else because unexpressed gratitude communicates ingratitude. So I, want, I don't want to communicate, I am grateful for you. I'm so thankful for all that you do. So many times, and I've asked this in, 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 in counseling before, is if, if I took a tape recorder and I placed it in your home and then I recorded your conversations and I came back and I transcribed everything that you said and I put it in a positive column or a negative column, which would weigh more? And the Apostle Paul would say it this way, don't let any unwholesome mouth come out of your mouth, uh, any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, only what is helpful for building others up that it may benefit those who listen according to their needs. I want to be a builder, not a destroyer. And so I want, to, I want to be grateful. Hey, I just want to tell you how much I appreciate you. I want to encourage you. You're doing awesome. Here's the other challenge. is every day this month, I would love for you to write down to journal, to put it on social media, whatever you, just somewhere write down 30 things for 30 days that you're grateful for. And it'll be easy in the first 10 days. Like family, 
I'm grateful. Vehicle, I'm grateful. Job, I'm grateful. Kids, I put family. I'm going to separate them. Wife, son. And then you get to day 20, and it gets a little more difficult because you're like, oh, I got nothing else. And I, I really want you to stretch yourself. And I go, what am I, how am I been blessed? And use that as the list that you give honor and praise back to the Father. And you say, God, look how much you've blessed me. Uh, there have been times where people have come to me and, and they're just upset and they're depressed. And they're, just, they're just down on life. And I, I'll give them this, this task. I'll say, I want you to write down ten things that you're grateful for. And sometimes it's difficult in those seasons to come up with ten. But every time that you get depressed or you get sad, I want you to look at that list and see how blessed you are. I would love for you in, in 30 days to just catalog those things that you're... And, and we're going to do it as a family with the four of us. And nobody can repeat what somebody else has said. So, yeah. So we're going to have 120. We did this uh, last year. 120 different things that we're thankful for by the end of November. And it gets real fun. We're thinking, God, thank you for bugs. I mean, we're just like, at the end, we're just so thankful for everything. Uh, <laughs> having an attitude of gratitude. And the last challenge, to, be, to, to just every day say, say thank you to somebody. Every day write down something you're, you're blessed with. And every day just give praise and honor to Jesus. Give praise and honor to Jesus. We're going to close tonight, and we're going to, we're going to do that. I want to give you an opportunity to do that, and um, we're closing early intentionally so that we can have a chance to just worship. Um, this sermon series just titled it 10,000 Reasons, which is a song by Matt Redman, a worship leader in Atlanta. And um, I want to read you the lyrics of the song, and then we're going to sing it together uh, as a church. It says, the sun comes up, it's a new day dawning, it's time to sing your song again. And I want you to have that mentality, every day I got to sing this new song, this attitude of gratitude, I want to be grateful, Lord, for all, I don't want to be one of the nine, I want to be the, the one that returns to you. Whatever may pass and whatever lies before me, let me be singing when the evening comes. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul, and worship his holy name. Sing like never before. Oh my soul. I'll worship your holy name. You're rich in love. And you're slow to anger. Your name is great. And your heart is so kind. For all your goodness. I'll keep on singing. 10,000 reasons. For my heart to find the reality is 30 is a very small number. We could, if we sat here long enough, come up with 10,000, 20,000, 100,000 reasons that we are blessed people. And I just don't want to leave this season until we've given thanks in everything and for all the ways he's blessed us. So why don't we stand together and uh, we're just going to close maybe a little uniquely tonight and just worship his holy name. Let's sing this together.